I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. It's a feminist podcast. Hello and welcome to Feminism Ruins Everything. We are a feminist podcast where we give critiques to movies, musicals, and pop culture phenomena and potentially ruin them. Potentially. We would like to acknowledge that we are recording today on Ghana land and we'd like to pay our respects to the Ghana people who are the traditional custodians of the Adelaide Plains area and we also want to pay our respects to Ghana elders past, present and emerging because this always has been... Always will be... Aboriginal Aboriginal land. land. I'm Ellis Dolan. I'm Millicent Saar. And today we are really excited... So excited. Because if you if you if you're a musical theatre fan on the internet, you will have heard of the pop culture phenomenon that is mm. six. Today it's a musical and a pop culture phenomenon. It's two things at once. Wow! Take that movie musicals. <laughs> six. For those of you who don't know it, is like a pop concert reinvention telling the story of the six wives of King Henry VIII. Indeed. And each of them get a chance to kind of like share their story in like vying to become the lead singer of their little group mm-hmm. of, of queens. And spoiler alert, it's feminist as fuck. Six. It's real good. It's real feminist. And we were so, so thrilled to have as a guest on this episode, the incredible Vidya Makin who was one of the original queens in the Australian and New Zealand touring production of Six the Musical. So she has been playing Catherine Parr, uh, who was the survivor of the mm-hmm. Six. And we had an awesome chat to her dissecting this show for its feminist merits and for its really fantastic history of diverse casting as well. Um, so Vidya, in addition to having been in Six, is a musician, activist, Actor, singer, performer, composer, all round cool human being. Really cool. We fangirled over her a little bit. <laughs> she uh, recently has been seen in Sunday in the Park with George as Dot. And her song cycle, My Home Too, which is a song cycle exploring Australian identity, uh, is currently in workshopping stages. You know what? I'm too excited. Let's just get straight to the chat. Please welcome Vidya Macon. Welcome to Feminism Ruins Everything, Vidya Macon. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Hello, thank you so much for having me. We're so excited to talk to you um, about Six the Musical mm-hmm. um, because you are very well acquainted with this piece, having been in um, the Australian production of it earlier in this year. Do you want to talk to us, before we talk about like the feminist elements <laughs> of this show, just talk to us a little bit about what that was like? Sure. I mean, um, you know, Six... is really, really well known on social media. And so you see a lot on places like Instagram and Facebook, um, the world in which Six lives. And like, often that can be a bit of a misrepresentation of the actual thing. And people are often saying, it can't be as good as it looks. 
<laughs> but I'm here to say, like, it, it is that there's this real magic about the show, about its casting, about the family and the team, the sisterhood. Um, that it's not just the six queens or the nine, the nine queens that are in the cast, but the way that the team works internally as well, that is really magical and supportive, um, diverse in many different ways. Um, so I really, um, it's an honour to be a part of that team and that sisterhood. And yeah, I mean, the, the three months that we got to work on it this year, um, well, a literal dream come true in, in many, many ways. But for me, um, in a personal kind of industry growth way, it was it was kind of like, wow, this world does exist. These this type of storytelling does exist. Um, and I think that that comes down to the fact that it was written by two young creatives who are my age in their twenties. Um, the team, the creative panel, were all from like they were from overseas, but were young women predominantly Amazing. um and so what they were looking for was not the age-old theater thing that we're used to seeing big commercial companies yeah. six at its heart is a student production it was written for a student show at cambridge university yeah. to like do this little competition that's in essence what it is and it went to the fringe and it just exploded yeah. because it's timely and relevant and very 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 well done um, and so in this short amount of time, this tiny student show has turned into this international phenomenon. Um, and I think having that at the heart of it as well, it's not like a big, you know, it's not your big Hamiltons and your yeah. um, Phantom of the Operas. It, it's, it's something else um, in, at its heart. And I think that that's part of, of why it's special. So, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of an intro into the world. Can, can you give us a little bit of insight into your audition process for the show? Yeah, I mean, I think that the audition process has a lot to do with this kind of sisterhood and family that the show creates, because what they're looking for are not just performers. I mean, pretty much everyone that I know who are all incredible, incredible performers could do this show. Most women can do this show. Um, not, not to say that it's not hard at all. It takes a lot, a lot of skill to do it, but there are a lot, a lot of talented people um, out there. But what the show looks for is not just people who can do it singularly. They're looking for a team that will work together. Yeah. Um, and so the, the auditions really focused on that and also on bringing yourself to the queen because the, the way that the show is written is yes, you have these characters and these archetypes, but the way that the show works is you're not actually playing a, a, a character necessarily. Mm-hmm. They're trying to cast people who then can play heightened versions of themselves. Yeah. So, I mean, when I'm not up on that stage, I'm not just video chatting about whatever it is video wants to chat about. It's not, you know, it's a high heightened level of reality, but it in essence is me. So in the auditions, it was really about getting to know these women who were auditioning, getting to know us in a bunch of different ways. Um, it was really cool in the final callbacks when we had to do the scene work, which is a bit different in six because the whole concept is that it's a concert. Mm. And so the script is not like um, a usual narrative story where you have scenes between different characters. It's all quite performative mm. um, and in the context of a show. Um, but in the final callbacks, we actually performed in front of each other. And so they had all of the, the ladies who were up for the role and, um, the the reason that they wanted to do that was because they really wanted to create an environment where 
it wasn't about competing to get to the top thing and tearing each other down to get there. It was competitive because you're auditioning for this piece, but it was about let's be competitive and spur each other on and get the best from each other. And it was interesting because it, if you couldn't work like that, you, it's a very, very hard um, situation to work in. And I, yeah. like, I know a lot of girls struggled and that's also not to say that they're horrible people as well. Like it's a lot of pressure to go in and sing in front of <laughs> your colleagues. And that yeah, yeah. was an added pressure in itself, but you know, it did give an opportunity to kind of go, okay, how do I, how do I be here as part of a team yeah. and play in a team in order to show my, um, to show me at my best. 100%. Yeah. And I think like, you kind of touched on it like at the heart of it it's an ensemble piece like no Mm. one queen like takes like greater billing or like has more work to do than anyone else like it's so um it's such a team effort rather than about one individual performer um like I think we were looking into the um West End production and the fact that every single cast member was co-nominated like for best supporting actress for like <laughs> as an ensemble like when does that when does that happen so it's very unique what was that um ensemble? once you've found your your nine queens uh the six on stage and the three swings uh what was that like kind of working together how how did the creative team kind of form that uh that team that that sisterhood. ensemble sisterhood is the word I think a lot of it was there from just the women that they cast. I still remember the first day that the six of us met each other, which was um, the first day of recording the media. The, the, the cast announcement came in the form of a, like a music video that we made. Um, and so when we recorded that, that was the first time we got to meet each other and we didn't even know who each other were. Um, and there was something about the vibe of the six of us where we're all very very different and when I talk about diversity it's not just about the color of your skin in fact when I use that word it's really not about that it's diversity of like womanhood in a way um and we just clicked they got they found I, I don't know I can't explain it and so they're really we did a lot of exercises when it came to the rehearsal room with finding out in a queen finding the presence of who these heightened versions of ourselves were in the show. There was a lot of that and a lot of work together. And like on day one of rehearsal, we got to watch Beyonce. That was part of work. (laughs) Beyonce live at Roseland, um, which was super cool. But I do think the heart of, of our sisterhood was actually just because of the people that they chose. And we were just in an environment that encouraged that rather than forced it upon us. Um, I really do I think it comes down to the people. Yeah. And the fact that that was like integrated into the casting process as well. Mm. Yeah, that's mm. awesome. Um, something that we've kind of touched on, but I would love to talk to you more about is the fact that you've got like your six queens um, and then your three swing characters, th- swing actors, I should say. Um, and six to me is unique in so many ways, but one of the ways that I especially have been like, pleasantly surprised by like the social media presence for example is how much six champions its swing actors like that seems so cool and unique to me and um feels like also like indicative of like the the teamwork and the sisterhood that you talk about like is that um something that is done with that in mind would you say yes yes 
Yes, I think it is. <laughs> I think it's a, it was a conscious choice. Um, when we talk about the queendom, which is the, the six fan base, um, and we often throw the term queen out, it's not about saying I'm better than anyone else. It's about saying we're all powerful mm-hmm. in our own womanhood, um, whatever womanhood means to you. And I think that by championing championing our swings and not seeing them as subpar, but actually seeing them as just as important, if not more yeah. important, um, than those of us who've been cast as, as, as the leading six, um, it just fits with the whole moral and morale of the show. As someone who's worked as a swing for the last, like, 18 months, uh, it's it's really awesome to to see a show like six really um empowering the those swings and and totally they have their own fan like the fans for this show are pretty like they are dedicated and they they yeah. love us <laughs> but love there's it. a there's a particular particular um love and admiration for the swings themselves you know oh. and i actually think that is really really cool i'm when we started going public with things the biggest question we we had was when are the swings going on? When you know, can you tell? Let us know when they when they're going on. Um, and it's interesting here because in Australia the industry works a little bit different. Whereas in um, London it's uh, more usual to have alternates, and that's what the swings are. There they they work as alternates, so they they have actual shows. Whereas here in Australia, for a variety of reasons, does it generally work like that? And our swings um, go on for when one of us is sick or you know we have an injury. Yeah. And we don't know that ahead of time. Um, and so even that that change in culture was an interesting thing to navigate because they were so used to seeing the way that it worked overseas. Um, we had to kind of remind them, no, 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 it's um, it's a different kind of system here. But they, they absolutely love the swings and that's the coolest thing. And that's also awesome. like for a show when all six cast members are on stage for the entire show, like what a show to have multiple tracks to cover <laughs> mm. oh and all the harmonies as well yeah. like you know it's one thing to learn lines but another thing to remember i i do not know how they do it <laughs> honestly honestly one one word that that you used uh, just then and one word that i would definitely use to describe six as a show is empowering oh hell yeah like from from the get-go from from the instant the lights come up uh, the queens are saying we are reclaiming our stories. We are taking it back, and we are uh, we are reclaiming our power. Uh, what what did that mean to you as a performer who got to reclaim this this person's story every night? It meant a lot. I think the power of six is that it's super entertaining. And so if you're out just for a light night at theater, light late what? <laughs> <laughs> light night out at theater <laughs> try saying that five times fast um you get that you'll go and you can just get and be entertained with these really funky songs um and this you know cool choreography and it's just a fun night out um the genius of six is that underlying this really fun night at the theater and funny it's a funny funny show yeah. lucy is is a hilarious hilarious writer lucy and toby um but underlying it is, like you're saying, this reclaiming of story about these six women who have been painted through history in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is it's a cool conceit to the show, which I won't talk too much about, because if we do get back on um, 
I'd love for you to see and to experience that um, in itself in person. But uh, I think one of the most powerful moments for me um, was in our last day of shows in Sydney. Um, And it's after my song. So I'm a sixth queen. And after everybody's song, there's a moment of applause where you can really, you meant to, you meant to revel it and enjoy it. And it's like your time to claim your space. And so after my song, the audience were going crazy because it's like the last day of shows. Mm. And I walked to the side of where all, we all walked forward. And usually at that point, I have the next line to keep going. But the audience were just going crazy. And we couldn't, we couldn't go on to talk. And I'm like, oh, my God. In my head, I'm going, oh, my God, I did a good job. <laughs> but then I started, started to realise that this applause wasn't for me necessarily. It was for these six women on stage and it was about more than us in that moment it was about these six queens and in that it was about feminism Mm. and womanhood and the reclaiming of story and all of those things came together in this one moment we were standing on that stage to this applause that was just went on and went on and it was like this sounds so wanky but it was like you could feel the spirit of these women there in that moment finally having their voices heard and it was this awesome exchange between this audience who were like having a great time but who got it you know yeah, who got got the death and you could you could feel that they got it um and what does that feel like <sighs> I don't know that there's a word to describe to describe what that feels like but it's pretty damn awesome the thing that makes me so excited about six and also makes me so excited about the fact that so many young people are obsessed with it is the fact that this isn't an accidentally feminist work like this is wholeheartedly smack you over the head with it very much done on purpose at the core of it a feminist work and I can't think of many other things in the musical theatre canon that are so deliberately and purposefully feminist. And that's so mm. exciting to me. I mean, I mean, there's two sides to that coin. I think that it's so deliberate because it's written by, like, Toby, who's a feminist in himself, and Lucy, who's a young woman, yeah. with young female creatives. Yeah. And so what I think is great about the show is that on the flip side of what you were saying, it do, it never ever goes feminism, men are bad, women, you know, it never ever actually yeah. does that because it's fun and it's and it is actually quite subtle. But I think the reason it's so strong is because of the voices behind the work. Mm. And when we talk about divorce, uh, there's a big conversation right now about diverse storytellers and the people beh- on this side of the desk. Yeah. That is why that is so important mm-hmm. because then you can do the work and you can talk about stories. Like none, all of the songs are about, aren't about women, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, feminism at, at the front. Um, they're actually about something different, but I think what comes off as something that is so strong is because intrinsically in the bones mm. of the work come these voices of what these creatives are trying to say to the world here and now as young people, as young feminists mm. in 2020 yeah. or when they wrote it a couple of years back. And the fact that I guess amongst like our generation and younger that um, feminism is is cool and sexy and exciting and um, that it's something to like write a pop musical about, (laughs) whereas, you know, former generations might have seen it as like a 
stuffier or um, more academic concept, I suppose. Like now it's, it's come so much into the mainstream that you can write pop songs about it that are fun. And, we've, and we follow the trend of pop music. Like the, that's the form of, of six. It's, it's, a, it's a pop concert. And when you look at the artists that the the show so heavily, you know, replicates and yeah. and replies to and, and uses of, those artists kind of set up the conversation. Mm-hmm. And so in a way, it's like Six is just riding that wave in a way of these conversations that I set up through pop music. I did an interview a few months back and the, um, one, the interviewer was talking to me about the costumes in the show. And he was like, you know, it's talking about empowerment and female positivity, but you're wearing these sexy outfits on stage. Doesn't that feel like it's contradicting itself? And um, I kind of took a step back and I went, well, no, because we're working in the form and at no place in the form do we talk, do we ever do something that's kind of sexy and (laughs) whatever. Um, You can interpret it like that. But if you actually listen to what we're saying, we're working within the form of pop music and in pop music, costumes are are used to assert your presence. And we're... um, we're following in that trend yeah and also wearing something that you know might come off as being like a sexy outfit doesn't mean that you're degrading yourself in any way like if you feel like confident and empowered in what you're wearing then that's kind of that's the point like it's not for anyone else it's for you and yourself and how yeah you're asserting your presence yeah Mm. Mm. one of the things that strikes me when you look at like pictures of the the cast say um you see six very individual looking people of unique unique shapes and and sizes and different races and i feel i feel like that is so important in the the cat appears to be so important in the casting of the show uh like i know that a number uh, each queen has a different uh different inspirations vocally or musically to kind of influence how they're cast but um but it really just kind of comes down to the 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 person who embodies that role the the most is that right absolutely absolutely um when it comes to the cross cultural casting if you want to call it that the diverse casting whatever word it is you want to use um i think that that's a symptom of truly looking for the people that are right for the job yeah um there's no specific stereotype, even though um, you do see trends following through the different casts about which queens happen to be coloured and which queens don't happen to be. Mm. But that actually doesn't have anything to do with, with the casting process. I think it's, we find these similarities maybe through what they're looking for, but that certainly is not a prerequisite to what makes each queen each yeah. queen. As I said before, they're looking for the people as into who embodies the spirit of, the survivor or the, you know, yeah, whatever it may be. I, I guess to some degree also there's the fact that when so many women of colour are the vocal and musical inspirations behind the music, that then to have somebody bring their vocal stylings to it, it, it just it makes a lot more sense that it's women of colour singing um, the, the resulting score, you know? Like I feel like if a white woman were to sing get down it would feel really like almost like you know, appropriating that sound you know, it's, you know? it's interesting because like yes and no I, I i totally hear what you're saying and there's total power and validity to that but you do see the swings around the world who like there are some amazing there's a scottish 
um, Cleves. I think she's on one of the, uh, the, the ships. And it's, she's amazing, you know? And so it's about, it's about owning that, that power within yourself. Um, so I, I, I really don't think that, yes, there are these vocal styles and yes, they can be attributed to certain cultures or certain skin colours. Um, but I, I don't think that that is a prerequisite to any of, of the queens, actually. I think it's important that we have the diversity, but the diversity is there, as I said, as a symptom of getting the right people for the job. And if you're getting the right people for the job, you will, you're going to have a rainbow um, if, if, if you're actually doing it. I, I often talk about when I walked into the room for six and it's one of the few experiences that I've had walking into a commercial musical theater audition room where I wasn't seen as Vidya got brown skin. These are the boxes that she can tick. Mm. I was seen as Vidya woman. Mm. Yeah. And I felt, I felt that difference in that audition room. And it was the, I think actually one of the first times I had actually felt that in an audition room and it's one of those things like you don't know what you're missing out on until you finally found it Yeah. and find it. And being in that space, I went, Oh, this is what it's like to walk into a space and to be seen as valued mm-hmm. as, as a real value, not as a token. Um, and I think that that comes down to what, what I was saying before about it, it really not being about skin color. Jumping off from that, it does seem that, there, there is this aspect of tokenism mm. in other audition rooms. Um, would you be Would you be okay with just kind of sharing some of your experience or thoughts about that and and, and the ways that kind of other companies could improve uh, in terms of their their casting decisions and not putting people in a box? Yeah, um, I mean, this is a massive conversation that is happening more and more publicly right now. Um, I would love to direct any listeners, if they're listening, a great source um, is a colleague of mine, Dean Dryberg, has just put together a questionnaire. If you find him on social media, um, he's, found, he's written this amazing questionnaire of a bunch of questions to ask yourself as a company, how, um, how do I sit within the way that I ha- in, involve my company, myself with people of colour? So I would point you in that direction because that's a heavily researched um, and really accessible resource um, to go to. Um, ask the question one more time. From all the things that you've told us, the audition room in six sounds like the exception rather than the rule, uh, particularly in terms yes. of like uh, with, with uh, dealing with like people of color and not stereotyping them or putting them in a box and, and saying these are the, the specific roles that that they can play mm. um and uh, yeah just i'm uh, just curious is like what what's like what's your experience been like with that or like and, and again like ways that things can improve my experience has been an interesting one in that in musical theater the way that the canon is written and the type of shows that we get here they all come from america right and it's like usually not all a lot of them come from america and it's usually five years after its broadway peak mm-hmm. um and so often what you get are shows and they're super diverse shows and they have a whole range of characters, um, but they're after specific ethnicities. And for me, as a, as a woman of colour, I've got Indian heritage. Um, I don't really tick the boxes of those shows that I've had to audition 
question for in the past few years in a commercial stage. But what happens is, is like for someone like me, you sit in the middle of these two worlds where you're like, okay, I'm not African-American. I'm also not Latin, but I'm not white. And then when you audition for shows that have nothing to do with race, you're not, you don't really get seen as characters that haven't previously been cast as people of color. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Because there's a certain way that it's been set and the way that the world knows it. And here, um, it is need to sell tickets to make money. It's a business. Um, and so you kind of become invisible. And I have made my career working with newer companies, newer shows, newer creative teams. And I think I found success with those people because those creative teams, because they're younger and they have fresh eyes and they, they grew up in a world closer to what time is now, um, they see me in a different way. And then it's what I was saying before. It's those creative teams who don't see me as how do we, how do we use you to make to tick a box, mm. but actually, Oh, this is your value as a storyteller. How do we incorporate, how do we use work together to create this story? Um, it's not that they don't see my race. When you look at me, you see that I'm a woman of color. <laughs> it's like plain as day. Um, but that, that is not what defines you. The conversation, especially um, coming out of the um, Black Lives Matter movement, coming to the forefront of public consciousness um, in Australia, I feel like we've begun to not only look at like the casting process, but also the fact that in a quite racially diverse country, the people who are working in the arts and, and get to the point where they're at a level in their um, career to be able to audition professionally for musical theatre we're seeing predominantly white actors working um, because of uh, the institutions that they have to come through to get to that point um, is that something that you um, also see reflected like in your experience yes in a way I mean I was the only person of colour in my year at uni mm-hmm. um, that's not true not the only one I was definitely the, the one with the darker skin <laughs> um but certainly a minority, but then you graduate and then I moved to Melbourne and then I found a community. I found a hub mm. and there are so many of us. That's the thing. I think there's this myth that it's like, you have to like really, really try hard. Like you, where, where can we find them? Like, let's look at, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, that's just not true. There's, we're everywhere. Um, and there's, 
heaps of us, I, th I think change comes from the creative teams. I think change comes from the people who are putting on these productions, the discussions and the meetings that have had months and years before the, the auditions even take place. I think it's about when you come up with your vision, who are the people that are coming up with the vision? And if you're, the people around you are all of the same demographic, be it you're all the same ethnicity, be it you're all the same age, be it you're all the same gender, that's going to create a kind of one-sided idea of what it is that you're looking for. Mm. I think if you have a range of people, um, people of colour, you know, ages, um, whoever, like gender, gender's behind the table and you can have that conversation with a range of people saying, okay, what is it we're creating? We all know shows don't just happen out of thin air. Mm. It takes months of planning and meetings and talking about what it is you're wanting to create. And the more diverse that room is, you kind of don't have to worry about then how do we look for these people? Because what it is you're looking for is what it is you're going to find. That's what I think. That's what I think. It's something that we've talked about a lot on the podcast um, is the fact that there seems to be this bias that sometimes in like period pieces or shows that um, are set in another time period or um, I like... Um, geographically specific um, go oh well because everyone in uh, this time period in England would have been white then you know we have to we have to accurately cast um, white women in this show like I feel like um, that could have been a trap that a different creative team and a different um, production team might have fallen into for something like six when it is a historical piece um, and something that I think is really exciting about it is the fact that, like you said, they're, they're looking for the actors themselves to like bring themselves to the character and that it's so much more about the portrayal than it is about the optics. Accuracy. Yeah, and the accuracy. Well, I think it's like accuracy, like it's accurate in sentiment. It's mm. like if you look at things like like The Great or even Hamilton, the storytelling, the, the, the sentiment of the ideas that are being put forward are of the time and are of yeah. the story. It's just about like, what is it? What is this piece of theater that we want to create and why are we doing it? Because if you answer those two questions, I highly doubt you're going to come to a thing where you say, we must cast it all white because yeah. why are you doing it? You know, six, I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you exactly the reasons as to why Toby and Lucy went, this is why we're doing it. But what they created was not, was not about that. It was about now actually because anything that you create exists within the world that you live in mm -hmm. and you're using that story from back then to say something in, in, in today's society. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, I just think that that's a growing trend of the sentiment of what is being told being accurate rather than the color of the people's skin, because yeah. to be honest, that's just not interesting. Like, yeah. <laughs> And no one goes to the theater and goes, yes, I want to see 100% accurately portrayed like completely naturalistic people break out to into song you, you're working in suspension of disbelief like if you're going to the theater and you're watching a musical and somebody in the midst of their scene starts singing I mean to be fair I do that in my real life <laughs> um but you know th that's you, you you go to a place it's suspension of disbelief it's a whole idea of theater is that you go somewhere and you just accept the world that is yeah, being exactly. occurring before your eyes so I think it's the kind of poor excuse um, 
as to maybe values that are underneath that people might not be aware that they actually are carrying. Yeah, audience reaction as well. Yeah. If you're going, oh, it wasn't believable because of <laughs> the race of the actors, then maybe that's more telling of, of your... you than, yeah. than anything else. Yeah. But, like, what, one thing that stood out to me about Six was how much the audience just seems to love the show. Like... Like you, you sit in like 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 you were mentioning before, like just getting like rapturous applause and being able to kind of like bask in the audience's appreciation after each of the the songs and the solos. How much does the audience play a role in performing the show itself? So much so. Um, when we when rehearsal room, they always usually when you rehearse, you look out because you're so used to saying you must reach the people at the back. Whereas in six they said get rid of that habit if there's two people in the room you do the entire show to those two people because the whole show was about making eye contact and seeing these people and it's it's a funny thing because a lot of audiences when you do that in real time like don't know what to do with that it's like it's quite intense when a performer looks you straight in the eye um but the show doesn't exist without the audience the show is an is an immediate interaction between the six queens on stage and the audience and that's a very special thing yeah that's it's just it's just really cool. <laughs> like I, I I've kind of like um, like looking at six and just seeing like it, it seems it seems almost kind of perfect. You have these like six wonderful performers on stage plus the band. You get to go out and you do a rock concert to an adoring audience, and then you're home in like seventy minutes. <laughs> and you... yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. It sounds but perfect. Those 70, the seventy five minutes that you're in the theater are the most intense that you ever. Yeah. Oh my god. They are intense. They are full on. There's not a second where it's like not everything you ever wished and hoped yeah. for. Yeah. You're on the entire time. But you're absolutely right about the, the feeling of the show. There's something very specific about it. I think because of the form of pop music where you leave and the word is electric. It is electric in that audience. And when it's from the moment it starts and you just hear that bass rumble, it it actually does something to your body. And by the end of the show, you, you feel it's the music, it's the band, it's the live element. It's the fact that everything's big, but it's also intimate. And the mix of those two things, yeah. you leave and you feel electric. There's never a show that you do where you feel and you're like, oh. you always feel changed by the end of those 75 minutes. Incredible. And I guess also because it draws so much influence from pop and because it has such a pop sound, like it's so accessible beyond music theatre fans. Like, do you find that in your audiences you just have pop music fans who are like, I'm going to see a musical because this is the kind of music I like? Yeah, kind of. I, I guess. I, I'm so used to seeing the majority of fans are just are really big fans of the show. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't tell you whether they love musical theatre or whether they just loved the show. I, I don't know that. But I know that they love the show. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of the day, that's, that's what you want. You want an audience who who's appreciating what you're doing and and enjoying the show and and the messages of it. One thing that I think the show does really well is kind of tackling um, uh, slut shaming and and the idea of of this kind of like the sexualization of some of the the characters throughout history, particularly uh, Anne Boleyn and Catherine Howard, um, who are kind of seen as like the the mistresses or, or seductresses throughout the time. And the show takes a lot of time to deconstruct that image of them and and recontextualize something that might be more accurate than what kind of history has said about them. Um, how, how, how did it feel to, to 
kind of be involved in that aspect of things? It felt powerful and it felt relevant and needed. We did a lot of um, research in leading up to the show. Toby and Lucy and, and Grace, our, our associate director, um, provided a whole list of resources, which are the same resources they used to write the show. So we did a lot of research into who these women were and you realise how much history, it makes me question everything I've ever been taught, is, is actually the story of the men who wrote it, quite frankly. Um, and so these stories of these women actually do not replicate what actually happened. I mean, the facts of Anne Boleyn are she was this woman at court. Henry wanted to sleep with her. He was just obsessed with her and just wanted to bed her. She said no. That was, that was what made Anne Boleyn who she was. She said, I will not sleep with you unless I am your wife and I am not your wife, therefore I will not be sleeping with you, which is why Henry divorced Catherine of Aragon um, and eventually... <laughs> Change the church. Like this whole thing was literally so that he could sleep with Anne Boleyn. Um, and I think just there's a certain ridiculousness to the way that she's been painted that you almost can laugh at because it's yeah. that stupid mm. in the way that history has painted her as this mistress. Yeah. Um, when she was actually the one that said, no, I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I won't be your mistress to then get shunned away like you did um, the, the many women before me. Um, and that's Anne Boleyn's story, you know? Um, so we touch on the ridiculousness of that. And I love that it, the character of the show and what, what Carla brings to that character is just brilliant. Um, it's really powerful and, and it's cool where it sits in this like rock um, world. Yeah. When it comes to Catherine Howard, I mean, she has been painted throughout history like many, many women as this, um, the temptress and the young, stupid slut, you know. Um, history, she was, we do not know how old she was, and she was likely younger than 16 or around 16 when she was killed. She was abused as a child, sexually assaulted as a child. And then there's this story where she just went on from man to man who just used and used and used and used her mm. to the point where then she was executed because of the abuses that were done on to her. And then on top of that, history's painted her as this woman. And that has happened to many, many women and many women in the pop industry as well. Mm. Um, And so the way that they tell that story or we tell that story in the show is just real. And I think, yes, it's about claiming voice, reclaiming story and voice, but it's also just about, telling the right story, mm-hmm. like telling the actual facts without tainting them. Mm. And that's what happens and that's the power of it. So it feels when you're up on that stage and you're telling those, those stories, it just feels important. It feels just necessary. And particularly the way that like the, the show is, it's, it's so much fun the, the entire time. Like you, you just have that electric energy, as you said, but then you have the moments like, um, uh, like Heart of Stone is a very somber moment and uh, all you want to do starts off really fun and kind of tricks you into being a really enjoyable pop song and then lures you into the, the harsh realities of of what her life would have been like. Um, I can only imagine how how kind of fun that would be to play with the audience's expectations of of like totally like even like coming in for like it's like 75 minutes of really like pop music and having lots of fun and everything like that when 
And then, bam, surprise feminism. Just kind of like... 75 minutes, <laughs> everything that you've learned about history is going to be changed, and you're going to question everything you ever learned yeah. in history class because of who but you're also going to do it while but you're also going to do it while laughing your head off and tapping your feet and humming the melody and leaving feeling electric because that's the thing about six is that yes like i said there are all of these amazing amazing dark deep um things that we touch on on the show that we talk about go into in the show but it's it's never about the head it's actually just storytelling um and musical theatre, and it's fun. It's so much fun. Now, your queen is Catherine Parr. She is uh, number six of six and the survivor. Uh, can she you tell us? Tell us about uh, tell us about Catherine. Like, what 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 was your kind of thought process in in creating your version of her? She she was a really intelligent and real well read woman. She was the first woman in England to ever publish a book under her own name. She wrote, yep, she, um, she wrote, um, she was a big advocate for education and education of women at the time, which um, Henry actually nearly killed her. She was the only one of his wives to actually talk him out of executing. There was a warrant that was going to happen. She was going to be executed and she actually talked her way out of it, which I think is a pretty, it says a lot about her character and her wit and her intelligence. Yeah. Um, she was also a lot older by the time she was, she married Henry. She was, um, a widower a couple of times over. Um, and it's like these things that I find super interesting about the woman, um, and about what that means as a woman now, you know, um, the fact that that she's, she's remembered as she's the one that survived. And yes, there's some like a strength in the world survived, but there's also a kind of that's all she did, you know, um, that the world's given her. So it was cool to, to go into that and and to really learn about this incredible, incredible woman who really, you know, if it weren't for some of the things that she did, we would definitely not be where we are today. Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of education and yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And the role of the woman within, within Western society, you know, she had a big influence in England at the time. Speaking of women writing, segue, um, (laughs) you yourself are also a composer and a writer of musical theatre. Do you want to tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about your work in that realm as well? Yeah, for sure. Um, I am a composer and writer. Um, I suppose we were talking a little bit earlier about my experience in the industry. I've, I've always been a songwriter. I've written songs since I was like, came out of the womb humming. Um, and I really, really found my power with it when I had started, I think it was about one or two years in the industry and auditioning for things and just finding that I wasn't finding my voice. Um, and I wanted to have power in not just being able to create work for myself, but create the voices um, of who, of who get to speak and who get, who get to sing. Um, and so I realized that, oh, actually I'm kind of good at this thing called writing musical theater and kept working on it. And so I'm doing it for a few years now and seem to be all right at it. And I'm currently working on a show called My Home Too, which is, it's it's a working title. Um, and it's a song cycle about Australian identity. Um, and I've done a few, a few performances of songs from the show at different homegrown nights, uh, throughout the past one or two years. And yeah, that's kind of me. (laughs) 
But yeah, is there anywhere that people are able to listen to your music? Uh, like, have you put any of it up online or anything like that? Yeah, there's some there's some stuff online. If you uh, YouTube my name, it comes up with a few songs that I've written. Kind of the most people one people know the most um, is my song called Hugh Jackman, um, and that's kind of the most viewed one on YouTube. There's a bit of stuff, but um, it's always that thing of when you're at the beginning of your writing career. Unless you're Lucy Moss and Toby Marlowe, it takes a long time yeah. to, um, you know, to put a show together and to really have a cohesive piece of theatre. Because at the end of the day, that's that's my passion is 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 creating a piece of of theatre in, in in a whole and and having people come and experience that. And that takes time. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a couple of stuff out there, but I'm definitely working working very very hard to to have a finished project to actually just say, Hey, here's a piece of theater that I've, I've written. And I'm really excited to have a, my debut at some point with this show um, and have a cast album out and actually yeah. really be out there. But you know, it just takes time as you know, as well. <laughs> um, I guess you um, are a passionate activist in, um, in many realms um, and you've been, an active voice like in discussions around the Black Lives Matter movement and how that applies to Australia and to the theatre industry at large um and is that something that you'd like to keep like at the heart of your artistry or is it um coincidental no no it's totally part of it I mean I I'm a woman of colour my parents were immigrants parents from apartheid South Africa very different world um and I hold my identity really close to who I am because it's my lived experience. Mm. And so when I write and I storytell, I don't go out there to say, here's a piece about being brown. It's about a person's experience doing something else who happens to be a minority. Yeah. A minority storytelling is certainly at the front of, of everything that I do. Um, be it performing and composing because they live in the same part of my brain. Um, And I suppose my activism at the moment, that comes from a a place of with six having a platform. And now I have fans who, um, who look up to me. I've suddenly become someone who is somewhat of a role model to some people, Mm -hmm. which is still a crazy thing to come to terms with. (laughs) But I think with, um, with a platform comes responsibility and, and comes an opportunity to say something to do to do good and in this moment I think how can you not use use a platform to spread to educate um and to help people learn so I've definitely felt that um that responsibility and I've enjoyed I'm enjoying sharing resources like that's something that I'm I'm pretty passionate about I'll admit it's like quite tiring emotionally and um and physically like it it takes a lot out of you but um yes story I mean at the end of the day that's what I am and that's why I do what I do I listened to an amazing seminar a few days ago run by the Broadway Advocacy Coalition it was Black Lives Matter for Broadway Mm -hmm. and this speaker was talking about Dr Barbara Ann Tears she founded um one of the first black theatre companies in Harlem I think it was born in 1968 I could be wrong and the way that she talked about the creators in that space was that actors weren't actors, directors weren't directors, etc. You were a liberator. And you must think of yourself as a liberator in what you do. 
and I really resonated with me. And that's kind of, I think, does sit at the heart of everything I do. Yes, I'm a writer. Yes, I'm an actor. Yes, I'm somewhat of a role model. But I think in all of those things, actually, that's what I am. I'm a liberator and I'm a liberator for, for storytelling and, and truth telling through, through those mediums. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Video making, you are awesome. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You guys are awesome too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming to, to chat with us. I really hope that, that when uh, COVID isn't a, a thing, that Six really gets to, to get back on the road because I, I, I can't wait to see it and, and be, be one of the screaming, incredible <laughs> people in the crowd. <laughs> we love the, the screaming. I will. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Me too. I um yeah, everything's crossed. Let's see. Thank you so so much for talking to us about the show, for sharing your insight, for um yeah, giving us a bit of a peek into your world. And yeah. um I'm so excited to share this conversation with our listeners. <laughs> thank you so much and thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed this chat. Anytime. You are the best. Um thanks for making us. We will talk to you soon. <laughs> Take care. Mwah. Thanks for having me. In light of that awesome discussion with Vidya, Ellis, do we rate or ruin Six the Musical? I think it's impossible to do anything but rate it. I like, <laughs> cannot think of a single thing against it. In like in in, in terms from the, the feminist perspective, yeah. it like ticks all the boxes. It's it's just it's like from from the ground up, it's yeah. been built as a feminist yes. piece. Every person on its stage is a woman. And how rare is that? I cannot think of another musical that does that. And that's not just the cast; that's the band too. Yeah, bands on stage, they're all women. And it's it is about women supporting women. It is about rewriting a male-dominated history narrative, reclaiming your own personal stories. Mm-hmm. Getting rid of like slut shaming and owning your sexuality and like everything about it is awesome. Like the entirety of the song "Get Down" is just about celebrating being a single empowered woman. Yes, and being badass while doing it. Oh, yes. it's so cool. I ca- I literally I'm I'm trying to think of something that is problematic about it. I think the only thing I can come up with is the fact that there isn't really any queer representation. That being said, A, there are women who have been in this show who are queer women, and B, Toby Marlowe, who is one of the writers of the show, has, like, stepped in and, like, in an emergency situation and, like, played one of these roles. So, like, there's kind of, like, a Mm. drag perspective there, even though it isn't necessarily a queer thing. Although I I do think he is a queer man. But even going so far that in the, like, audition brief when they are casting people for this show, the only requirements is that somebody feels comfortable portraying a woman or identifies mm. as a woman or non-binary. Like, there's there's so much inclusion yeah. from the ground up. Yeah, and apparently, every shape, size, yeah. race. And apparently, um, there was, like, an intention to have... Uh, I think it was... I think it was Anne Boleyn and Catherine Howard were supposed to have, like, a little... Fling? R- fling... In the course Romantic of the tryst? exactly in the course of the story, and they decided to to take that out. So like it was obviously like at the forefront of the conception of the mm-hmm. of the thing as well. Like it's if you have a chance, if we're allowed to go to the theater again, um, oh God. and you have a chance Please to go see us. six, 
I feel like that's something that you just need to experience in a crowd of people. Yeah. Get that energy, get that electric energy, yeah. as Vidya said, and just go enjoy watching six powerful women own that stage. Oh my gosh. I'm obsessed. So cool. I hope I get to see it soon. So do I. I am so thrilled that we got to chat to Vidya about this today because... I have, I have a whole new appreciation for it now, yeah. knowing what her experience of being a part of it was. Yes. Okay. Uh, if you have enjoyed this episode, uh, please uh, like us on Facebook and Instagram. On Instagram, we are at Feminism Ruins Everything Pod. And on Facebook, we are Feminism Ruins Everything Dash It's a Feminist Podcast. Uh, if you like what we do, uh, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Yeah, that'd be really you, cool. You get to see some like funny bloopers and <laughs> concept art uh, goes up early. Uh, and check us out, patreon.com slash feminism ruins everything pod. We'd love to see you there. Like, we love connecting with the people that listen to our podcast. So if you've got any commentary or feedback or anything that you'd like to add about this show or this episode, or if you've seen it and want to just gush about how good it is, Hit us up. We want to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Thank you so much to our awesome guest, Vidya. Uh, please tune in next week. We look forward to seeing you then. Take care. Bye. Feminism ruins everything. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.